Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tumble Vision, episode number 46, which is also the last episode of the year 2010. And we are very excited to have with us a wonderful guest. I'm Deb Schultz, sitting in for our opening, at least for Heather Gold, who is on her way to Toronto, where our guest this evening is, our guest Tara Hunt, author, social web aficionado and guru, and now co-founder of a new, very cool shopping startup called Schwap, which alone is just too much fun to say. Hi there, Tara. Hi. How you doing? And uh, you're up in Toronto, right? Actually, I'm in Montreal, but you know what's funny? I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about that. I said, it's my, it's my uh, actual mission in life and new duty in life to tell it to teach people the difference between Toronto and Montreal. <laughs> um, I've been to both. Huge difference. Though I haven't been back to Montreal since I've been very a young kid and I'm dying to go back. I, I, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city and completely different than Toronto culturally. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you have a place to stay if you come oh, to Tara. Oh, thanks, dear. Be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> and uh, so you're up in Montreal. Is it frigid tonight? Is it really, really cold? Yeah, it's a. It's a very. It's been a cold couple of days, actually. So, um, okay, so what's yeah, cold just, for a Canadian in Montreal? Oh, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of this, and uh, I oh, still speak centigrade. <laughs> so it would be, um, I don't know, ten to twenty degrees, I guess. Fahrenheit. Cold enough. Yeah. Cold, cold, cold enough. And it's also all about the wind. And yeah. Kevin, you, you're, you're, you're sitting where this evening, our other co-host? I'm at, at Riverdale Mountain View. So I'm yep. um, indoors in the sunny Silicon Valley. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's getting a little dark. Yeah, at least I'm, I'm up in San Francisco. We did have frost this morning. It was, you know, as an East Coast person, maybe not a Canadian, I'm always amazed by uh, how people start, you know, when it hits 50 degrees in Northern California, people start shivering. Um, but without further ado, because I'm going to try to keep us on schedule, um, welcome to Tumble Vision, everyone. And um, for those who are just joining us for the first time, Tumble Vision is a show where we um, talk about the art of social engagement, engagement in business, culture, and tech, and basically the impact of the fact that we are now living in a networked age and the human side of this technology. There are many shows, books, blogs, etc., 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 that focus on the the technology itself. But we here at Tumble Vision feel that there is still no machine better than the human brain. And we talk about a lot of the impacts of that. And um, I very often, uh, we like to say that Kevin Marks uh, tumbles data and information. I tumble people and businesses. And Heather, who's not with us, Yet this evening, we hope she'll be able to join us, uh, Tummel's Emotions. So when you start off the show, usually we like to talk about uh, news of the week that relates to tumbling, and tumbling being a Yiddish word that we have chosen because it means someone who catalyzes others to action. So um, I can think of someone who catalyzed others to action in the past week or so, um, and that would be Julian Assange. Does anyone want to talk about WikiLeaks? <laughs> You could uh, argue he's a tumbler in a way, right? Well, I kind of, yeah, yeah, kind <laughs> of. I, I mean, I just it just popped into my head, but kind of, right? Well, okay. So here's what I think um, is interesting about the WikiLeaks thing, and and maybe I've got my information wrong, but WikiLeaks has been around for quite a few years, right? Uncovering stories, right? 
Correct. Am I right? Two Correct. or three years at least. And all of a sudden, it's um, being shut down left, right, and center by, you know, PayPals and MasterCards and Visas, and governments are calling him a traitor and all out of the blue. And so I looked, I thought, well, maybe there was, there's something specific that, um, is being hidden, and it actually uh, had nothing to do with um, government or, or international relations or war or anything. It actually had to do with them saying that they were going to release some information about a bank that was mm. really damaging. And mm-hmm. then that is – I mean, this is it just me or does that illustrate how uh, tightly – married um, our businesses are with our uh, government and does that worry anybody else like it worries me <laughs> does it worry you kev um it, it, it it's a problem i mean basically yeah. there's this regulatory capture going on where um the the banks um have essentially deployed their um their their people into the government to write their own regulations for them. And we have people, there was a quote this week from um, a senator saying that the regulators were there to serve the banks, which is, which was like missing the point so badly, it, it's embarrassing. Um, and, you know, and the, the sort of the continuous cycle of people going from the bank into government and going back into another bank um, is, you know, that, that's, you know, there are other bit places where that, that happens in government too, but, but that particular cycle has been, you know, very, very worrying over the last few years, definitely. We, we yeah. see the same thing with, 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 with telcos too, you know, there, the other businesses are, are sort of specialize in um, manipulating regulations to their advantage as well. Um, but yeah. but the, the banks have done, you know, in many ways the most damage here. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, go ahead, Tara. Well, I was just going to say um, the uh, the the whole uh, lobbyists have. I don't know if any other country has has such a strong lobbyist uh, branch. Um, you know, with the telcos, with the banks, even with a lot of big industry, um, and yeah. And, I thought that was going to be one of the things that were addressed in this administration. It seems to have not changed, not been addressed, and maybe even gotten a little worse. I don't know. I don't know if it's gotten worse, but I think you're right. I think it has not been addressed. I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the, uh, okay, now I'm in the seat of government and I actually have to do stuff and look under the lid and see how complex the system is. And I think the economy was one. I, I also look at that, you know, to your point that it's been around for a while, WikiLeaks, and it's sort of risen to the public consciousness. Um, and I haven't paid attention to, so if anyone's listening, I haven't paid attention to the details of the specifics of first this happened and then that happened. I, I think it'd be, there's plenty of links all over the internet where we can talk about that. To me, the interesting part with what you, which is sort of what you hinted at, Heather, is the fact that it, it to me, it really highlights this cultural shift that we're going through, right? This shift of where's the power, what's public, what's private, how, you know, what is regulated, what isn't, even what's journalism. It's sort of this um, perfect storm in a lot of ways. And, of course, you know, I was at an event this week where um, – You'll love this, Kevin, but the guy who was speaking had, was in, had been in British intelligence. Um, and uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, that's about all I can say. It was at, I was at uh, an event in Boston, a speaker's bureau, and it was really interesting because, you know, in true British format. And, and, you know, this is coming from someone who, you know, 
wants this, to keep this is secrets. The monitor group thing. Yeah. The monitor group event. Yes, it's someone who wants to keep secrets. Um, he said, "Look, this is inevitable. These are not top secrets." He goes, "The only thing I had wished for is that the person who had let the information out was just slightly more dignified." <laughs> I, thought, I, was, I was just so like you know and if Americans said that you, you would just laugh at us but I mean the point is is that there's these incumbents and there are these you know right, new folks sort of organizing from the bottom up and I'm getting back to you Tara here and um, and it's interesting that, that there's this threatening going on it's a couple of years in the making and we're going to keep seeing more of these kinds of things don't you think i mean he took it upon himself to put this stuff out here with the help of a spook and and it's really raising what it means to be a yeah. government in a in a networked age right i mean well to me that's the big thing well it's also putting uh to the test the um the power of uh, you know whether or not the grassroots has power so some when when uh, visa and mastercard and paypal shut down the money lines to wikileaks um, worldwide hacker organizations anonymous whatever uh, you mm-hmm. know i don't know much about right. about that particular organization but you know or disorganization <laughs> be it what you will um get you know does a denial of a service attack on all these institutions and actually brings them down for i don't know it wasn't a huge amount of time but you know it's certainly damaging you know millions of dollars Mm-hmm. Uh, in the time that they uh, that they took these institutions down, so you know that's interesting. And then um, I know of uh, you know when they take the WikiLeaks site down, right? For uh, they keep pulling it down, uh, you know, Amazon, etc. There, they, it appears all over the world in what's called. Uh, mirrors, right? Is it mirrors? Right. Mm-hmm. So mirrored sites. mirrored sites. And that's, for me, that is, I think it's brilliant how people, these, this whole idea of uh, small pieces loosely joined, right? They, right. People come together around this cause and they're able to, even if uh, Julian Assange can't do, you know, he's incarcerated and doesn't have money, people are continuing to carry this and uh, because I think it's important and it shows you the power of of that that phenomena yeah huge that and and um i sort of slipped it by but i I, i'm part of the speakers bureau and monitor talent and this week we had our annual sort of meeting while um while this was going on and some of the speakers there are you know folks who spend a lot of time and attention on these kind of issues like esther dyson and ethan zuckerman and actually what was really interesting to me was ethan pointed out and ethan runs and now I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of the media site that he runs. Global Voices. Mm-hmm. Um, very decentralized um, sort of uh, blogger journalism from around the world, really bringing sort of the, the stories we don't usually hear. He is a, a tumbler of, of his own because he catalyzes a lot of journalists on stories you wouldn't normally hear. And we hope to have him on the show. He talks about um, – Tumblers as DJs, which we like that metaphor a lot. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out something, since we always like to bring in the geek stuff, that the big problem that sites like WikiLeaks and um, even Global Voices sometimes have is exactly as a result of some of that mirroring stuff or the lack thereof. There is no way – how did he put this? No way to um, put up a static, uh, a static page on the web uh, in a decentralized fashion. So that it's not just one IP address. Is that am I saying that right, Kev? 
And I thought that right. was really interesting. And he's saying we need tools and technologies to enable a site like WikiLeaks to be able to stay up when they have a DNS on one place, whether you agree right. with WikiLeaks or not. Well, I, I mean, we have things that do that, but they're not websites. Yeah, you can do that with torrents and things. But Right, he yeah. said, but torrents are torrents, right? The only way you can do it is through torrents. You want to explain what a torrent, a torrent is as opposed to a static page? So, so a torrent is a bit is um, BitTorrent is a <laughs> protocol that's designed to let you distribute files from multiple servers rather than a single one. Um, and one way of looking at it is it's arbitraging around the fact that you can't run servers as a as an end user, um, and um, that the most of the ISPs in the US um, throttle your upstream bandwidth. So even if you get something up, you can't pull much from it anyway. So what it's designed to do is to let you pull information from lots of places and share it back to lots of places um, over, over your network connection. So it, instead of opening up one connection to one server and pulling down a file, it, it divides the file into small pieces um, and then you open up connections to lots of other people's computers and pull the pieces back together until you've got the whole file. Um, so it's, it's, a way, it's a very resilient way of moving information around. Um, and it was, you know, it was originally designed... Um, to you know, get around the fact you can't run servers, but also <coughs> to host files that people are trying to shut down, often um, bootleg movies and things. Right. But it's also used a lot for distributing new versions of software. Um, some, the protocol, very like it, is used by the BBC to to distribute their episodes in the UK and so on. So it's 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 there is a model there for distributing information over the net in a way that it, it doesn't have a single point of failure. Um, but it's um, still fairly um, it's still fairly complicated to use. You know, you can you can click on a file and have it download things um, and have it work, but it takes a bit of setup first. Yeah, and 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 what what's fascinating to me is that that um, you know, and another piece of news that came up this that just happened today was again, I tend to look at these big cultural issues. Is that Delicious, which is a social, the first. I don't know if you could call it the first social bookmarking site, but maybe we could. Yeah. Um, there probably were one or two before, but the first mm. – <laughs> I'm going to say – I'm going to call it this, the first quote-unquote commercial <laughs> right. social bookmarking site. In other words, the people were using and then got bought by Yahoo or taken over by Yahoo or whatever, which is just closed down. And when we were in the pre-show, we, this sort of just came out about an hour or so ago. And the pre-show, Kevin and Tara and I were talking about the fact that what are the implications of – of this, you know, the, these tools that are that that are created that we love and that we use that have different terms of service that we rely on and put our data in the cloud and then boom, they can just shut them down and we're gone. So it's sort of the flip side. It's it's related to WikiLeaks. These are they're all sort of these implications of you know living in the stream and living in flow. And you know, I just think they're fascinating to think about. And Tara, you 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 pointed out. Um, that, you know, and especially as someone who has her own startup right now, which we will talk about, um, you know, do you think a lot about what it means to sort of, you know, you're, you're a big user of a lot of these social web tools and live in the cloud. Do you just sort of jump on and then worry about it later or? Uh, well, I think, I mean, that might have been my attitude in the beginning. Um, I, yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, lately and it's really bothering me. And I think that it came to a head today with, with Delicious that, Every time I feel like every time I post something to Facebook or even Twitter uh, or or many many of these sites that I'm throwing my the the stitches of my life into a vortex <laughs> to like just be swallowed up by by these digital giants. Have you ever tried to search for something on Facebook? 
in your Oh God, yeah, there's no way. It's impossible. Like you all your content, you can go like older posts, older posts, older posts, like forever, right? <clears throat> I don't know if they go back to the beginning of time, but they certainly go back quite a ways. But there's no search function on there for uh for your content. So, oh, what was that place that I went or who was, what was that conversation? I put a, you know, even just sometimes I'll post interesting articles on there that I, I won't have bookmarked just because I don't need to really save it for later. And then I figured I do need to save it for later and I cannot find those articles. Same with, I mean, Twitter used to, when I started, you could your very first tweet. And then um, it went back, I think, six months. And now I think it only actually goes back a few weeks. Oh, I don't even I'm, know. If I'm right. So so to search Twitter, um, to, to pull out your archives, uh, to, you know, I don't, I've gone back and thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to see what I was doing at this time last year, you know, what I was talking about, what I was, what was important to me. And, and Twitter is definitely my stream of that. It is, it's not possible. Uh, they have that data somewhere. I'm not sure where I, I should have early on thought about how, how I wanted to actually keep it and keep it in a searchable way. Maybe, uh, I used to, feed it into tum- Tumblr. Uh, yep. then I, then I stopped doing that, um, because I worried about Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and you just start and, and maybe there's going to be something, um, uh, called like, uh, digital, you know, digital insecurity, you know, you know that comes up. Oh, we all have digital insecurity. <laughs> well, where, where, where you're, you know, your digital, uh, digital history insecurity, where you're, you're like, you, you don't want to be posting to anything anymore because you're afraid of, uh, of it being taken away like delicious, or you, um, are afraid of, of, putting all this work into somebody else's website and then having them uh, bury it or not keep your archives or whatever. I, this is something that's starting to really uh, really be an issue for me. I don't I think it might be a, uh, a power user issue, but I, I, don't, I don't think know. it is. I don't th- I think we think we're thinking about it, but I don't think it's necessarily a power user issue. I've, I, we talked about this. I'm also been thinking about this a lot and actually, um, uh, you know, these kind of conversations have been popping up with a lot of, um, folks who have been, I guess, using social web tools for five years or so. And, you know, this concept of, are we losing, you know, I love the expression that you said, the digital vortex, right? <laughs> We're losing a sense of narrative and history and just living sort of in the moment, which is great. You know, that's the, epi- you know, that's the episodic stuff. But as we have more and more of the fire hose out there, we also want to be able to, I mean, the question is, are we going to want to retrieve it or are we just going to adjust our behavior to not be able to? I, I, I like narrative and story. So I want yeah. to look up stuff. I'm yeah. wondering if kids today just figure, oh, I lost that the way I don't know what happened to my third grade book report. I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, and I think Dana Boyd's covered this subject too. Hmm? <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, where she talked uh, a couple of years ago about MySpace and, um, the teenagers losing their password and then saying, oh, whatever, there was too much garbage on there anyways, I'll just start over again. This idea of, of, um, living in the now and, um, 
sort of throwaway history. But I think as we, I mean, I think as we get older, though, we start to mm-hmm. we start to care about that stuff again. Yeah, and as you have, (laughs) Kevin, what do you think? I mean, in terms of, you know, you're sort of probably doing a lot of capturing of your children's, you know, children growing up. Um, Are you okay with losing a lot of it the way that my parents didn't have nearly as any? I have no video of me as a kid. You know, I can live with that. Um, You know, does a parent think about this stuff differently? um, Well, you know, I've got... (laughs) Tens of thousands of photographs of the boys, um, and probably a, ter- a terabyte of video if I digitized it all from the videotapes, um, and and you know bits of that get uploaded to different sites. So you know we'll put we'll put some videos and photographs up on Flickr. We'll put some up on Facebook. Put them up elsewhere, but most of it is stored in in, in our machines at home. You know the, we have, we have all this stuff, and then we have backups elsewhere of of, of those kinds of history. But the but the, the sort of the, even you know that's the the stuff that's sort of big and hard and hard to move around, even the small stuff is what we're losing here with with Twitter and, and Delicious. This is you know, yeah. these are text files that we could have you know fifty copies of on every device and still not. Be I, I guess in, in in trying to think of the you know sort of the before and after metaphor, right, and bring the human side in, I'm like, you know, for the first time in history, we have a lot of the water cooler conversations that used to just go into the ether and the air. So. You know, do we just have to live? You know, it's it that that's what I'm sort of getting at. Like, do we have a higher expectation of being able to get to this stuff? Um, and should we? I mean, I think we should, but but and should we? Because in the past, you know, you had a conversation. You know, half the stuff that is now on Facebook or Twitter, we would only do face to face, and I had no expectation of being able to retrieve, you know, tower that conversation you and I had over a glass of wine a year ago. Right, 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 right. Well, it's interesting to think about it that way. It's a new problem, right? New world problem. It is a new world problem, and and um, and I guess I think you know I don't want to speak for both of you, but probably we just want to know ahead of time whether we're going to be able to retrieve that stuff or not, or have a certain expectation, right? I don't think it's only about TOS that a company can get bought, like Dropio got bought by Facebook not too long ago and just decided to shut down the service, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, although, you know, I'll keep going back and forth. I don't know. I'm hung up on this one tonight. The chat room can tell me to shut up. But, um, <laughs> you know, when businesses closed down in the past, they closed down. If your local di- – I'm trying to pick something personal, right? If your local diner shut, you'd be very sad and you wouldn't have a place to hang out anymore, but businesses close. For some reason, when it's these very personal, intimate tools that we use, it, it – it, I mean, I guess that's a good metaphor. Or if your local bespoke tailor <laughs> – here's my British reference <laughs> – Okay. I think that I think the difference between your local diner and bespoke tailor and and what's happening on these social networks now is the amount of work and energy and history we're putting into keeping the content up. We should have an expectation of retrieving this stuff, don't you think? Um, well, yes. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, this stuff should be easier to copy and back up now. Right. No storage, storage. The cost of storing stuff has gone down by six orders of magnitude. You know, mm-hmm. since since I was born. You know, this is this is. I, I can you know I've, I can store more information than than I could possibly have had um, for the first thirty years of my life in something that's now small enough I can lose it under my thumbnail. So backing stuff up shouldn't be a problem. Right. Um, and it's retrieving it, I feel like. I mean, we're talking about two different things. There's the backing up problem. I don't know why these companies don't just 
back them up because they have those terabytes. And then there's the retrieving, right? There's two different things. Yeah, there's, there's, there's the finding stuff. That's true. But, you know, that's, again, that's a, you know, that's a more tractable thing. We can throw computing power at that as well. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned um, um, Gina Trapani's um, ThinkUp app, which is designed mm-hmm. to, you know, she, she built this, again, built it for herself, just, just, as, we say, just as Joshua built Delicious. Um, out Joshua of the, Schachter, who founded Delicious. He built it out of the Perl scripts he was using to manage his own bookmark collection because he had a site that was, he was sharing bookmarks on. Um, well, the best the best social tools are created out of some problem or need by a really good coder who sits there and goes, "I can solve this problem." Right? Um, and so Gina's, Gina is, is sort of tackling the same the problem of how do I make sure that I don't lose all these tweets and things by having a, an app that backs them up. That's what that's what ThinkUp app is. Think is it at thinkup.com? Uh, thinkupapp.com, I think. Thinkupapp.com. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes for folks. Um, it's interesting, you know, in, in, in the tumult side of things, and, and Tara, if you're back, just, you know, jump in. Um, in the tumult side of things, or we have, you know, there was always someone in a community who was probably the historian or the historical memory of a group or a community or a family you know that kind of person who they might be the, yes. they might have been the scrapbooker or the storyteller. Have we relegated that to bytes? <laughs> to Facebook, to Twitter, to Facebook, to yeah. Right. In a way, we've sort of. I mean, that there was that. Per- I mean, I know in my family, I have two older brothers. I kid you not, my oldest brother does not remember his childhood at all. Now, by the time I got into the world, I remember everything. Like, he's 10 years older than me. So I, he always asks me if anything happened in his life after the age of 10. He's like, Dad, what did we do that year? Like, I'm the family historian. And I think it is kind of a tumular kind of quality. But it's, it, it, it's um, yeah, we've relegated it to the Facebooks right. of the world or to our friends maybe or to our – Well, you know, there, there are people who do the scrapbooking you know, right. and, 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 and tell the stories and, and keep the histories. Um, and that that is the the, the the another terminal role. It's it's the it's the community historian. And Heather spoke about this when she went back to the place she grew up and found that right. the people who had done that job were still there. I love those people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when when you go back home, the, the, it's it's a personality type, and it's something that we feel here that we've lost a little bit because in a way, Tara, it is on Facebook, but it isn't because if you had the tools on Facebook to curate your 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 relationships with some some people because you 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 could be that person in your facebook world but there aren't those tools we've relegated it to facebook right yeah i mean absolutely. if you wanted to you couldn't cure like think i'm i'm trying to think about like you have a lot i mean you you i consider you a a, a power tumbler um, mm-hmm. you're very much sort of understand online community founded a bunch of online communities Bar camp being one of them, you know, when you think about, I, I thought it would be fun to ask you, when you think about um, the Tumblr and the, the power of someone who creates a really engaged community, can you think of the kind of tools you would want to have or, 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 you know, what skills that person needs? I don't know. It's kind of a, you know, you use Facebook and Twitter a lot. What, what would you like yeah. to be able to do? Well, I mean, for me, because I'm I'm kind of a weird case. Um, I have a I have a whole bunch of different whether they're geographically grouped mm-hmm. uh, friends or a subject wise grouped <laughs> friends or um, you know even being able to understand uh, the amount of 
the level of tolerance somebody would have for uh, an idea, I guess, that um, I put out there, and I'll explain that a little bit, is to be able to actually create friend filters at different times. So mm-hmm. when mm. when I was in Paris uh, last week, and I know that sounds, oh, when I was in Paris last yeah. week, you know. <laughs> That's okay. Well, you know, I, yeah. dropped, I dropped monitor in Boston, just as sexy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. But when I was there last week and, you know, talking about Paris and going places and doing all these things and checking in, um, I, it, I'm sure it was really irritating for people that um, were not there. Right. And, and it or, would be really... Or they get to... Or they get no, to it's nice. It's like, oh, cute, great towers in Paris. Yeah, I think it's a follow-along. Well, and that's fine. And that's a... I can subscribe to that. But it would be great to be able to start mm-hmm. to, you know, filter a little bit better, you know, you know, people can know, okay, they're not really hearing a lot from me because I'm in Paris if you want to... If you want to still listen to me go on about that, then you know, turn turn that note on. You know, and, and vice versa. Like, um, I I follow, I don't know, like yeah. two five twenty five hundred three thousand people on Twitter. Woo! There's a the talk about the fire hose. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. I'll sit there with my tweet deck open, and and you know how it you know. It's supposed to be like one tweet and then a cut five come in. It's like constantly and, – and if I want to retweet something, I have to stop it to be able to capture that tweet, to to retweet something mm-hmm. or reply to something because it, they're coming in at certain times of the day so fast. And um, there are probably in the bulk of them like if I could sort of zoom in and out of subjects, like when the the delicious conversation was – Going on today, I would have liked to instead of just creating a you know a, oh here's a column where I'll search delicious. It would just be nice to say okay, all the people that are speak that are having this conversation about delicious. Let's let's somehow filter them here so that I can keep up with that particular conversation. People that are still having conversations about WikiLeaks, they can right. be over here. My friends who are like getting ready for the holidays or setting their new year's resolutions you know, put them in so I can start. And that's what I would love is, yeah, is to I, have these personal yeah. filters. Totally agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I view, you know, everyone talks in the corporate world these days about companies having dashboards. I see the future that we all have our own personal sort of dashboard yeah. and, uh, and, I've often said that my frustration with the social web, and it's young, you know, it has to grow up, right? It's growing up, it's learning, is that all the information is fed to me chronologically and not contextually, right? It's just sort of another way that you're of saying that. Like sometimes there's even something really interesting that a friend of mine has said about a topic I'm interested in four hours ago. It's not going to be in the, in the, in the front of my stream, right? Because when you follow that many people. So there are, by the way, a number of companies working on that. I'm on the advisory board of one, full disclosure, my sixth sense. There's a bunch of companies that I've been talking to in this sort of filtering space, but uh, you know, it's, I still think, I Kev chime in. We still think that ultimately it's, you know, we're too binary right now, but Human beings are still going to be the best ones, but we can we can definitely need a layer before that, right? Kev, I, do you think we can ever totally solve the um, social organic social graph? You know, my you know get, connecting with the people I want to connect to on the topics I want to connect to right when I want to connect to them. 
<laughs> what matters to me most, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, we know we, we what we have is a bunch of sort of um, iterative and piecemeal solutions to that. And we what what people do now is they use different tools or different sites to do different subsets of it. So you'll have your business contacts in LinkedIn and your your personal contacts in uh, in Facebook and your um, you know what bands you go to in MySpace or whatever, and you'll segment it that way. In the same way that you'll often have a work email address and a home email address and so on. Um, so people people do this now. Um, but each of the tools only sees their worldview and assumes that they have it all. And um, and Facebook has been trying, you know, sort of working from the ideological position that you shouldn't have boundaries between them. Now that that's you know, something that um, Mark Zuckerberg explicitly said was that um, if you had more than one persona, then you obviously weren't a trustworthy person or something like that, which is you know the, the complete opposite of. Um, what you know, Sherry Sherry Turkle and and you know the, the early um, people who wrote about people going online thought was that you would have many different personas. So you think that we don't have many different personas? We're all we're no, we're, I think we do. Com- Absolutely, I we, we do. do. I think we do as well. I think that everyone's expecting us to only have one. <laughs> I mean, I think of it as a like I always view it as a diamond, you know. But it, yeah, I mean, but if you're you know, if we you're have many facets, Facebook, right? And socialize with the people you work with. You do only have one. You know, this this is this is part of the structural problem that the people building yeah. these things aren't like the people using them necessarily. Oh well, totally right. The people building them are twenty somethings, and when you're in your twenties, you want a lot more, 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 more. It, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, sometimes we can talk about this stuff and we think it we sound very negative, but I think it's just early, and we have to push these. But that <laughs> that you know push the boundaries a little bit. It's it's. I get worried when people start viewing. You know, when when you know we hear people say things like privacy is dead. You know, <laughs> we don't, my new favorite word is permission, not privacy. I don't think we sound negative. I think we sound old. I've been realizing this <laughs> recently. Bite your tongue. Bite your tongue. We are. Admire that. Yeah, go ahead. This is something that I've been realizing uh, oh. more and more. Well, I guess we just, okay, we're we are. wiser. We, are. we have a, we have a more experienced sort of uh, perspective. Uh, I was told the other day, uh, I was asked the other day, well, maybe we need a more modern perspective on that. Oh, that's a wonderful way of diplomatic way of putting it, Tara. I will say that. That's, I, and by the way, we're not Thank older. You. We are wiser and much more complex. We're like a fine yes. wine. Right, right. <laughs> and that's, that's really what it is. When Kevin, when you say that the people using the tools aren't the ones building them, I mean, and you know, again, you, you do get your life gets more complex as you get older. And you have more and more circles of friends and more and more spheres of influence and in both directions and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, pre- it's pretty interesting to think about it that way. You know, Terry, you talk a lot about, you know, both in your book, you know, you talked about, um, I-, I would love to explain for, for folks who have never had the pleasure of hearing you talk about it. Um, what is Woofy? Because uh-huh. Woofy is very related to Tomalink. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, so the the word itself comes from a book by Cory Doctorow. Uh, I don't know if you've had him on as a guest on the on the program or not, but uh, he's we definitely should. been. We yeah, should. Yeah, he would, he would be really interesting. I would imagine. Um, but uh, Cory, it was called uh, the book's called Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom, and uh, it talks about this uh, future where there is no money anymore. Instead, the currency is this thing called woofy. 
And uh, I can, I, you know, we all have these little computers sort of embedded in our, in our heads, in our bodies. So, and we can ping each other uh, and figure out like a woofy score on one another. So I could ping you, Deb, and I'd get back a high score. And that means that, you know, you're, you're a good person. I could trust you. We probably have lots of friends in common. This is if we hadn't met and that you've done some pretty significant things like you've been pretty notable in your career. So I know pretty instantly that I could, you know, trust you with things, but you could also use in this future, which I thought was cool is your, your woofy or your, you know, reputation, that sort of stuff to pay for things, right? You pay for your rent, you pay for your car, you pay for your, uh, your food, that sort of thing. Um, it is the currency. So if you, if you're a jerk and you run out of woofy, you're basically, you're kind of screwed. You don't have a place to live or you know, anything to eat sort of things. So you have to b- build that up with people. And, and when you build I was it up reading, with interactions with people, how do you build it yeah, up? Yeah, so you build it up a couple of different ways. Yeah, interactions, uh, being nice, sort of thing, a good person, helpful, doing things that uh, benefit the community, being notable, doing you know, even if you're uh, um, you don't interact with people face to face, if you if you create something like a beautiful, you write a beautiful book that people love, you get woofy from that. If you um, if you uh, write a symphony, that sort of thing that people enjoy, then you get woofy from that. And then, you know, as your network grows, uh, you know, you gain from that as well. So it's like nice networked and notable. And I was, so, I was reading, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish, finish. Well, I was going to say, as I was reading Corey's book, it just didn't, uh, uh, it occurred to me that he wasn't talking about it, this was, I mean, as as is most science fiction, it wasn't science fiction. It was actually a great metaphor for how we actually uh, interact and exchange in online communities. So I use that as my core metaphor. Uh, yeah, and and what do you think if you had to pick? Um, you know, everyone in you know in this day and age is like, how do we create an engaged? user base, whether it's for a nonprofit or in a business setting or in a lot of different ways. And people always think if you build it, they will come. Uh, you know, tumbling is all about, uh, Kevin, Heather, and I are talk about the fact that you can't just throw people in a room together like you would at a party and expect things to happen, right? right. So who do you, th- you know, you know, pick, pick from one of these two questions. Who do you think does it well and why? Or what are some of the things people should think about when they're trying to create a really engaged, human, woofy-esque kind of place online? Yeah, so this is, I mean, that's sort of what um, I struggled with and, you know, basically what I structured the book around. Uh, it, for me, uh, and, and you guys experience this as well throughout your careers, is there's not a simple, easy answer because nope. uh, every, <laughs> yeah, every community is different. But I did break it down into sort of five uh, almost uh, self-help personal goals that you could change mm-hmm. with your own behavior that would um, help you be, you know, get it after a while until you were like in the rhythm. And I mean, the first step is something that a lot of people talk about, um, but companies still don't. Get is 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 turning turning the bullhorn around, right? Turning, stop talking mm-hmm. and start listening. And um, it's just like it's this isn't about you getting your message out. And um, mm-hmm. it's a really hard thing. It's it, you yeah. know it's a hard thing to do if yeah. for individual people as well as you know. Not to interrupt you on this, but I um, I was in a really cool 
coffee shop in Boston last week and, uh, and, and saw this great quote from Doug Larson. And it was really interesting to me that, you know, every once in a while you post something online and a lot of people react to it. So it, it was wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you'd have preferred to talk. <laughs> and I thought that was very apropos of the social media world we live in today. But, you know, people book. forget that, that in order to really get to know people, you got to listen to them. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. Turning around absolutely. I know. And it, and it seems really simple to us, um, but it just isn't so simple uh, for a lot of companies. That's the first step. And then um, the next uh, step that I outline is, is becoming part of the community that, you know, you're serving. So you figure out it's not, and this isn't, you know, you being a, some sort of a planted, uh, you know, the secret shopper or whatever. It's, it's you, <laughs> It's you really figuring out um, what, why is it that people are addicted to Twitter or Angry Birds or whatever? You know, you're part of this <laughs> culture. Uh, guilty. Um, you, you, you get to be part. You're part of this culture, and, and and no longer can you be like, I don't get what that blather is about on Twitter. Like, I don't care what you had for lunch. When you figure out, when you're like, oh, actually, I do care what people had for lunch. Um, you've kind of been, you've, you've been, you've become one of, you've become, you've gone native, you know, you've become one of us. Yeah. I think the thing that's hard for, um, people to understand with, and I like the way you brought that up with new tools and technologies or any new businesses, people are always saying, we talked about the Malcolm Gladwell article, right, Kevin, a while ago, Twitter is, you know, is, is from the outside in of any culture looks very different than from the inside out. Right. And, and, and asking someone what they had for lunch, no one would say, you know, it's really interesting when people always jump on a lot of these tools in this way that that's such a waste of time, right? Like, yeah. who cares what you had for lunch? Who cares where you're stuck? And, and present company included, I've had my days of social media exhaustion and I'm fed up with all this baloney and bullshit, right? However, you would never, um, you would never in a, like, in a casual conversation sitting next to someone at a diner or at a train station, if you said, hey, how's your day going? Or, hey, you know, I just came from someone. So you wouldn't say, don't tell me that. I don't care. <laughs> it's no. the FATIC part that we, we, there I said it first. Yay, FATIC communication to the chat room. It's, we have to say it every week or Kevin does. It's the, it's, it's the, the point of what you're posting isn't the point. It's a reach out to say, hey, yeah. I see you or hi, I'm here. And people miss that all the time, you know? Yeah, there's, right. there's, there's a subtext to everything yeah. that people post. There's always a subtext, yeah. whether you're posting what you're having for lunch whether or you're, you're, you're posting, you're even, even when you're checking in on Foursquare, why are you doing it? Yeah. There's a subtext for that. Right. Yeah, so it's, and that's what's and I- interesting to me. Yeah, and there's definitely, you know, as this gets, you know, more pervasive in our community, there's definitely, in our society, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely very different personality types online. People think it's young versus old. You know, there's the people who really want external validation. They're the people who want to share ideas. They're, you know, and by the way, I could be one of those people at any given point in a day or in, you know, an hour, right? Um, you know, if you work alone, it's your water, you know, at home alone, it's your water cooler. If so saying, you know, I just had 
tuna fish for lunch is is the same thing like passing someone in the hallway at the office. So it's uh, it it's it, you know my frustration sometimes when people think the old versus the young do it very differently. I think. Pew, and I know Heaven will find this link, Pew just came out with a new research report about how the young versus the old use technology differently. Mm-hmm. And I am sure that is true. You know, we're not as modern as, as your son, for instance. But human behavior is still the same no matter what. They might use it differently, but why they're doing it is very often can be bucketed into some sort of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's... Know? It's fundamentally, I think it's just, you know, we, we are, we are driven to connect. I mean, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't even get any more complex, I think, than that. And, um, but we were on number. Yeah. 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 It doesn't always lead to the connections, though not in the way that we want them to be, but yeah, but it's, it feels like it's a path there. And, um, yeah, my frustration these days is that people that is, is sort of, we need a new social contract around etiquette, and that that'll be my my spiel this year at South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. I think even with WikiLeaks, even with all these other things, we're sort of forging this new rules of behavior. That whether you're talking about kids and bullying, what what do you put online or don't you, or how do you release information to the press, or you know, I saw this. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Kevin, have you seen this? I actually, yes, chat room, et cetera. Anyone listening, I watch regular television. No, not through Hulu, through cable. <laughs> I have actually sometimes turned the TV on at a specific time to see what's on at 8 o'clock. So I was watching, <laughs> shame on me, but I do sometimes do it because I actually like feeling connected in the moment. I also like the serendipity. It's the same reason I like listening to radio stations or Pandora. I like serendipity as opposed to my iTunes playlist. Right. So there is a Verizon, AT&T, Sprint or T-Mobile commercial on TV right now, which is driving me insane because the whole behavior is that you can do texting, video, whatever it is. The, the plan is you can do whatever you want and uh, and for the same price. So they have a girl sitting across from her boyfriend telling him in 10 different ways that they're breaking up rudely. Uh, you know, she texts him that they're breaking up. She sends him a really, you know gross video message. She does all these things and it's such rude behavior, right? And it's like, it, it's incredible that we think that it's cool to be that snarky through these tools, right? I have to find the commercial and post about it, but it's insane. Like that's not okay. You know? an, in, an interesting aside is if they change, they switch the genders, that would never fly. Like a boyfriend oh, yeah. breaking up with a girlfriend that way would never totally. fly. And there's right, you're so right. And then there's yeah. like two guys. There's like a whole series of them, of course. You know how marketing companies are like let's do a series about being snarky on the internet. You know, and it's just gross. And then the flip side of that is Windows, Microsoft, uh, Windows Mobile has a whole commercial where they they show how all of us are spending our lives looking down on our devices and not looking up. You know, and we're falling and. <laughs> You know, it's just, I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going on some awful tangent here, but it's just, it, I just saw this commercial over the weekend. It was really bothering me, right? You take your behavior with you online, which is important for community, right? You know, not good. Wait. Okay. So we made it to one, two, what principle are we on? I think of those as five principles. I like your. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, well, once you, once you get it, um, it makes it much easier mm-hmm. and it starts to, uh, turn into action, right? So using your new understanding, uh, the fact that you are now one of 
them or us or whatever to build um, amazing customer experiences. Because now you understand, you get your customer and what they need and can anticipate it and listen and do all that stuff. And I think this is really um, a core uh, principle is mm-hmm. building amazing customer experiences because you could be the nicest person in the world. You could be, you know, network to the nines. You could, um, give all sorts, you know, free hugs every day. Everybody loves you. <laughs> but if, yes. but if, if you don't build something that, um, that, that people, that changes people's lives or, or, or that they enjoy using or, um, that follows up on the promise that you've given them, then it, it falls flat. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, you know, now being a startup co-founder. Good. I was just going to uh, ask you. It was a good segue. So yeah, go for yeah. it. So how, I mean, how does it feel to be building your own now and living your principles? Yeah. Well, that's well, you know, it's interesting. It's a lot. It's it's a lot harder than when I put it in. Uh, put it in. A it always is. That's very honest <laughs> of you. That is very honest. Yeah, yes. but it's. I mean, I I. But what what's nice is because I do. I am. One of us, I guess. One of my, co- I'm, I am my own customer, and I do know all this stuff. And I'm not the market, market, push, push, push uh, person. That, um, and I'm always listening. Is that I every day I wake up and think, and, and this may sound negative, but the first time I heard this was from a company that I really admire. Is every day, day I wake up and think, we aren't good enough. Mm. We need to work harder. We need to be better. We need to deliver more. And I mean, there's only so fast you can develop, especially we're, we've been bootstrapped, um, in a more like sandal strapped kind of way. So, <laughs> so, so building, yeah, building, we're, we're trying to build as quickly as possible. We have an amazing team, but there's only so much that we can do, uh, with our resources. And, um, you know, we, didn't want to launch too early, but we definitely didn't want to launch too late. And so we came out with something that was like, ta-da, crickets, crickets. Yeah, okay. Oh, we yeah. Kind of, but, but I mean, people received it amazingly. The Good. crickets were like, the crickets were like me looking at the site going, oh God, I can't believe I let people look at that. Yeah, but <laughs> it's also, it's also, it, it's also, you've been living and breathing it and you're like, you know, yeah. you want, and, and you're a, Similar, so you're like, I want all these people here now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. It's hard. I mean, yeah. you're up against sort of when I talk to the larger companies. You know, building community takes time, and you know, we live. You know, it's the death of the grand gesture thing that I used to talk about a lot. You know, continuous versus episodic relationships take time to build yeah. up, right? And it's really hard to have patience when it's your baby, right? Yeah. Well, we've had. I mean, we've had. Uh, so, I mean. I'm, I, I, I would actually personally write thank you notes to every one of our community members who have been so. doing so much and, uh, participating and coming back to the site almost daily. Like we're tracking statistics and I'm like, why are you coming back? There's nothing there. I hate what we have. Um, <laughs> but they're really super supportive and, 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 and that's the stuff that I can be good mm-hmm. on. It's just, you know, coming back to that third principle is like, that's the hardest one to nail, but the most mm-hmm. important one to nail is like, how are you going to actually help you know, I, you're going to create a user experience that makes somebody say, you know, just like whenever 
my goal is, and this is my goal, is that anytime somebody buys something Mm -hmm. that they say, just wait a second, I need to Schwab this. Just like, right, and for those who don't know, the thirty-second pitch of what Schwab is—it's uh, a place where you can store all of your shopping history. Right, and Perfect. we're building tools on top of that to make that meaningful. Wait, um, so I am—I am what I buy. <laughs> well, there's a—I mean, there's, there's a really great that. Sure. Yeah, there's an actually an amazing um, book called Spent, and I'm trying to remember the author. Uh, don't author's worry, name. Kevin. Kevin or Andrew will find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called Spent, and uh, it talks about uh, you know our biological imperative to, ta- to s- taste signal. So, mm-hmm. and that's you know a lot, of, a lot of what we do when we buy, but that's only part of it, anyway. But so that's my my goal is that it's it enhances people's lives so much that it's the first thing they think about whenever they buy something because they like they get a reward out of it. And I'm not talking badges because we can talk about a great article uh, that I read by Umar Haik later, but um, uh, on badges and the meaninglessness of them. But you know, like the same thing with Foursquare, right? Is, is yeah, the badges are fun, but there's, there, there's something in the fact that I walk into a place and I feel instantly, Ooh, got to check in. Why? What is that? That drives me. Well, Foursquare has enhanced my life enough in, in all sorts of different ways. Um, and it's not the deals. It's, I mean, the badges are fun and it creates this fun competition between, um, me and my friends, but it's also, it's, it's keeping a history. Um, I'm a bit of a data geek, so it gets, no. it gives me a history of where I've been. Um, what was that great restaurant I went to in New York again? Oh, I can check Foursquare, that sort of thing. And then uh, also it, it creates these serendipitous um, meetings with people, which is – That I really like. Yeah, that I like. Yeah. I will say I don't check into Foursquare a lot. So what well, – But the, um, the, other, the other point of Foursquare yeah, is that it's, it's your way of keeping track of your own stuff. So like you, like right. you were saying, for Schwab is like – um, I've, this is what I've bought. This is what I spent at Foursquare. This is where I've been. I've been to all these places. Um, um, and that, that is a sort of helpful set of breadcrumbs for you when you're trying to remember what we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. When you're trying to say, what was I doing last, last month? What was I doing last year? Yeah. I mean, yep. the same way that, you know, now I go back to my old blog and say, oh, that's what I was doing five years ago. And I'm, I realized that my Twitter stream has vanished into nothingness. Um, yeah. but mm. with the, with, you know, with Foursquare, it's like, here's where I was visiting. I, I went to that place, I went to that place, I went to that place, and I, and I left a little marker so I could remind myself I was doing it. I mean, yeah. that's sort of what it morphed into for me from the, you know, the initial thing of getting badges sort of wears off very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the persistent thing is that there's actually, this is actually feeding back information to me about, about myself. And as you say, where my friends are, you know, but that's from, you know, I'm mostly down here in the South Bay. I, I know who's nearby. If I go to San Francisco yeah. for the evening, then it's useful because there's the population density and density of users that works. But is that that's only going to work, ever going to work in a few small places? You know, dodgeball work that way, where it's like it works if you've got a pool of people who are going to a pool of places you want to know who's where. Um, then the dodgeball works. But the thing that um, Foursquare built on that was the sort of the personal informatics side of it as well, the keeping track of of of, of stuff that I've done. Um, yeah, so, I like the fact that they let you put tips in. Right? Yeah. They thought about and, that. And they're emphasizing the tips more now, and that, that, that yes. becomes more useful. Yeah. So you go somewhere you haven't been before, and you can click, click on that thing, um, this, and, you know, and it'll tell you, you know, which, which, which of the places, you, know, you get a whole bunch of tips about the places near you. Yeah. I, there was a delightful moment that I had when I was, um, uh, where was I? Was I in Wisconsin or 
somewhere, um, you know, in the Midwest somewhere. Uh, and I checked in at a random bar and I, and all of a sudden a, a tip from a friend of mine from San huh. Francisco came up That's and I thought, cool? wow, it feels like, you know, you walk it into the ghost of that, you know, yes. person right. who had, who had enjoyed the same experience as you know, it was like something about like check out the photo booth in the back they have some right. you know fun um fun things around it you know like wow i like that so- it's like an ace it's like you're having an asynchronous experience with your friend like you both exactly. ate there at different times and even if you and and it's very i hadn't thought about that it's very different because it actually hasn't happened to me in that way but it's very different than if kevin had said to you check out that bar it's that fun surprise yeah Right. right, that you walked in somewhere and you're like, oh my god! Or the equivalent would be is if you walked into I, in in my undergraduate at school, there was the bar where everyone sort of signed their name on the on the bar and the tables, you know, right. the, from generations, like you know, and some some were famous authors and singers, so it's always funny when you sat down at the bar, like, oh, oh my god, so and so was here, you know, Kilroy oh, yeah. was here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's the same kind of thing. I hadn't thought about yeah. that, but yeah, that, I like that. Right. It's human nature yeah. to see who was here before. But it's, I mean, and in some ways, as you say, it's like the, you know, the Italian restaurants that have all the photographs of the people who've eaten there right? all, uh-huh. as endorsements. It's, it, you know, the, that's, that's that area, except that it's, it's not just they've got photographs of Dean Martin whenever he passed through town or whatever, but it's, it's so it's funny actually- that you picked Dean Martin. <laughs> 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 that's great. Dino. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was channeling Heather. Dino. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it, now it's actually people you know as well mixed in with that, and that's the, you know that's yeah. that blend that um, you get from Twitter, which is the blend of people you know and and people you know of, um, and that's the piece that I think Foursquare is sort of edging towards as well, where yes. they're getting sort of um, other people to recommend as well. They, you know, it's it's, it's yeah, not just, yes, sorry, it's not me. just as I get sort of amplification, but it's also like oh, this this these well known people were here too, and yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. maybe Maybe they should, you know, maybe they should go through like um, It'd be fun. Dorothy Parker's diary or whatever and say, okay, this is the place where she was. And, and, oh, it's a great and, idea. And make that as a, as a sort of four square track. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Be, although I would want it to be people like you said that, that have passed because one of my, you know, pet peeves is this whole, you know, ego famous thing that's happening in social uh. media. So I like the fact that, you know, you like a mix, you know, we, we need, we, we definitely want a mix of that. I think, um, you, you know, the thing I, I had an argument with Andreas Weigand, who I hope we have on our show, who's a big data geek. Um, and he calls Twitter, although he uses it and he, he's the first one to admit. And I had this conversation with him where he said, you know, I didn't get Twitter again, like, you know, the bloggers gazing at their navel stuff till he started <laughs> using it. But he'll say that Twitter is the illusion of an audience. Um, it's the illusion that people are listening to you. And there is an element to that, right? To a certain degree. I mean, I think if no one responds to you, it's like you had a conversation in a room alone, but, but, uh, <laughs> I think he misses it if that's the only way you look at it, right? It's not, there are certain people who just do it for, you know, the people who quote their followers all the time uh. are just doing it for popularity, not for connection. Yeah. And I think we I mean, all we- do it both, you know. So, so actually, I mean, and, and um, I actually wrote a, a couple of posts about this um, just recently because this whole cult of celebrity thing um, has really has really bothered me. And um, I, 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 a story that I want to I want to tell. Um, Please do. In, well, in general, but I'll tell it here too. Is and we were all there the beginning of Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we saw Twitter, Twitter maybe for us hasn't 
it, it's still we can still make meaning out of it the way that we want to make meaning out of it because it is such an open tool in that way. Um, but there have been design decisions that they have made at Twitter from the beginning that have have encouraged this celebrity culture a lot. So in the beginning we had um, uh, the uh, we had the ability to um, uh, there was nothing like there's no at replies nothing we, we were from a community creating basically the structure what was to become Twitter. So we people started using at replies. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was like a faction of us that were like still kind of stuck in dodgeball land. So we wanted to uh, have the at being a place, but we eventually went over to, okay, at it was with people. And it became this, I think, uh, um, the virtual water cooler as you, as you just mm-hmm. called it where we were having these big conversations and people would jump in on these big conversations. And because there was no, um, because you could see that all the back and forth at the time, there was no like at, 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 you know, you didn't have to mm. add all the people that were involved in the conversation in the one stream. So you could just, uh, say the first person that you were uh, replying to. Then they demoted the at replies. They demoted mm-hmm. it and, and we still protested a little bit when we put that little period in front of the at, right? Yes. Oh, we're not, I'm not going to hide my at reply. I want everybody to see what I'm saying to this person so that other people can jump in. So there was a demotion of the at reply, which basically I think sent a signal that, hey, this, this chit chat you're doing here, this water cooler chit chat, it's, it's messing up people's experience of Twitter. It's messing up the stream. Then they, uh, you know, then from there, um, you know, exposing the follower numbers and all the different sort of top 100 lists that mm-hmm. came out of that, you know, that started to you make it so that followers were the next big thing. I remember complaining actually to a reporter about, about Robert Scoble's uh, competition with Jason Calacanis, I think oh, it was, yeah. on who could have the most followers. And, and, we had been on, you know, I know I had been on Twitter. I think you guys have been on Twitter for early on too, for for almost a year. And there was none of that before that. I was, yeah. it was just after South by Southwest in 2007. So, and, and I was horrified. I was like, no, 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 let's not make this about competition again. It's a nice conversation. Who cares how many people follow you? And that became a focus. Another design decision was made, and I don't, I think it was about a year later, with promoting the retweets. Because right. retweets sort of came out of, not, out of, out of the community once again. And, um, all of a sudden the retweets were promoted where the apps were demoted, the retweets were promoted, sending another signal that, um, that retweets were, like an important hat tip to people, right? So mm-hmm. then the, you, people could start to demand retweets from other people. Anyway, this these sort of design decisions, I think, have led have led and pushed and encouraged the celebrity culture that happens. Yeah, I, now, I think today I on think, Twitter. I think your point is is well made that um, the sometimes the subtle design decisions that you make. Whether you realized you were making them or not. I mean, we could have a whole other show talking about that with Twitter. Maybe we should have someone on from, you know, ever somebody or Jack at some point or Ryan or whoever, some of the folks over there. Um, 
but what but, but something to think about is that very often some of these subtle design decisions that people make in their tools encourage a certain type of behavior and leads to consequences that we don't necessarily realize and changes the culture of something. Um, I think, you know, whether design decision or not, but I think probably Twitter also sort of going down and promoting uh, getting on Twitter to celebrities, et cetera, or some PR people of celebrities also, you know, helped. And it became, you know, it becomes this media thing. I, I do still think you can avoid some of that, but, um, and have the conversations you want to have. But um, yeah. yeah, a lot of those changes made a big i mean kevin i know you have some pretty strong thoughts about that and um i'm gonna give a shout out to the chat room and say we're already over time because we have so much to talk about with tara but if you have (laughs) a question for her please type it in the chat room and i'll ask it for sure well i think i mean i think actually one of the things that twitter got right is that it does scale um from individual users to to celebrities um and a lot of the early scientists got got that because you choose who you see by default and you have to go somewhere else to go and see any ads or, or things that got sent to you from people who you aren't following. Um, so the, the natural thing is, is comfortable and it doesn't have an unread count. Um, so it, and, and the sort of sad thing has been watching some of this get lost as they built new clients and starting to see more unread counts. And the, like the, the, the Twitter iPhone client sits there and says, you've got stuff you haven't read yet and gives you little you know, warning lights and things that, that sort of puts that, that pressure back on you again. Um, and that, that sort of scaling between means that y- you can be, you know, Neil Gaiman and have a million followers, um, and still be able to talk about what you're doing, um, and respond to a few people and follow a few people and not be flooded by those million people, you know, n- knocking, knocking your door down unless you ask them to, unless you say, there's this thing that I think is interesting and suddenly they will go off and do that. So that's the thing that, that Twitter has got got right and that was that was by early design to you know, talking mm-hmm. to Blaine about it and things mm-hmm. um and some of the some of those decisions um you know i was against the at reply masking um initially because that was a strong way for discovering um mm-hmm. other people um but you know now it's it's part of the the culture of it and the, you you can you if you do you know if you're doing an at reply you're having a conversation that's back and forth that's in public that's sort of semi overheard. So if I, if I, you know, at Miss Rogue at the front of the sentence, only people who are following both of us will see that. But you can, yeah. if you, you understand that, you can use it that way. And it means that you don't see if you, if you have got, um, you know, if you are Neil Gaiman and you ask, ask uh, a question and 15 people respond and you, and you can have little responses back to them, that doesn't flood the feed for everyone else. But that, that becomes a very personal interaction between the two of you that um, only the people who are following both of you see. So that becomes a um, a sort of public, you know. A, um, it's like standing next to someone at a cocktail party. Yes. Sort well, of overhearing. Well, well, you might trip upon it or you might not. It's William Gibson's street versus mall thing again, I think. It's, okay. it's you're having, you've run into somebody in the street and you're having a conversation with them. And people who happen to be passing can see it, but it's not sort of put on the, the big screen in Times Square or something or... You know. I don't think most people who use Twitter or haven't been around for a while, you know, now that you uh, reminded me of the whole app thing, uh, get that. By the way, no. I don't think I don't think your average user gets that. But that's the point. It's I think not the that affor- they have to, but I'm just they saying. Have to. You know? the, the affordance works. Um, right. you know, the, the default behavior is actually quite good. Um, yes, it, it encourages good. I mean, that's a really good point. It does encourage good default behavior as opposed to. Uh, some other tools which, you know, are overpopulated, you know, get out of my news feed kind of stuff. Like, why is this in my feed in Facebook? I don't know who you are right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I am going to ask Tara, can the uh, can the Woofy have a built-in celebrity fill? Oh, this is interesting. Okay, from Lynn Moo, a new chat room person for Tumble Vision. Welcome to Tumble Vision. Lynn is asking, uh, Tara, if Woofy can have a built-in celebrity filter. Oh, huh? God. Um, that that would be good, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> I would think it would be good, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I Kevin posted a little bit more earlier when I was talking about uh, doc, Cory Doctorow's um, conception of Woofy, um, like a little bit more detail, but um, I would, I would imagine there's a lot of de- like there's a lot of downsides to Woofy. I mean, just as there is to social capital, there's there's negative and, I, and what is it, Kevin? You posted this the left. Um, Left-handed uh, woofy, yes. Left-handed, left-handed woofy, woofy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and By I, the way, would, I, I, would... I resent the fact that you call it left-handed woofy. I'm a left-handed. This is Corey's for, turn. You can take it for up with centuries. Him. Lefties have had to be confused with the devil. So I just let's just call it evil woofy instead it's of because left- you're sinister. Yeah, yes, um, we're sinister. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so the point of that is that that's the woofy from people that you don't follow, so or you, that uh-huh. you don't favor. So. Um, there's a distinction between sort of the woofy from the people that you follow and therefore it's like, you know, this, this is like the in-group staff. And this is like, yeah. well, this, they, this, you know, Tara has a bunch of woofy from the people I know, but also she's got all this woofy that from the, from these other people that I don't know and therefore she must have some kind of broader appeal. So that was one of the patterns he talked about in the, in the book. Um, the other t- th- which is very Tumblr-like. T- it's kind of, t- kind of Tumblr-like. Well, in it's the all- sense that, that I, Tumblrs tend to be people who have lots of different groups that they bridge. Right. Yeah, that's my yes. But so, yeah, do, that's so do okay. celebrities. So celebrities, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, 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 so do celebrities, yeah. Yeah, so, they're just so, not involved with them. They're more passive about it. So I think part of it is um, – I think the, the filter that I want is I want to know that the things my friends are talking about that isn't the things everyone is talking about. So you know, on any given day, there will be some big news story or some popular cultural thing that everyone's talking about. Um, and the signal you want is – um, that subtracted from you know, from the stuff you're you're seeing from your friends. Um, so uh-huh. you know, when 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 Michael Jackson died, you know my instant reaction was, okay, Twitter is now going to be useless for for a week um, right. because all we'll see is Michael Jackson reminiscences. Um, and you know that that at that point, to be, able, to be able to say, okay, everyone on Earth is talking about this thing, we want to subtract that out. Um, and that was that's something that the Twitter's trending topic stuff actually does a bit of that. That was the discussion about why WikiLeaks well, wasn't trending, um, and it was because they'd, they'd applied the um, they'd applied damping before because of the Justin Bieber effect, which right. was that he yeah, would but be I the, should be able to topic. do that. I should be able to do a Boolean negative search on Michael Jackson during that well, of week. Of course, so. but that's that's work. The, the point is it's the same thing about making work <laughs> naturally. You know, right. yeah, you yeah. or I will write Boolean searches, but the point is the, the list of trending topics needs to be um, you know not have you know, the same, like, sa- not have sandwich in it every day because people are talking about their sandwiches or yeah, not have just beef be, every day. Right, right. Um, and it and needs so to be relevant to your, to you as well. well that's, that just, yeah, to some extent, I mean, to some, to some, to some extent, extent, it's yeah. more, it's trying, the, the, that is trying to bridge you out of your circle. You know, the, right. the design point of that is trying to draw you out. Um, oh, I and see the, what you're saying. Yes. And, the, and, and so, but what you wanted to do is, to, is not to draw you out into, like, the same thing that everyone's talking about. Um, you want to draw it into, into some cluster of thing that is, in between, is this the same the, the year-end zeitgeist stuff that Google and Yahoo and 
um, so on, been publishing this this week. Um, that's all heavily filtered because you know the top search on Google is Yahoo, and the top search on Yahoo is Google, um, and that's been true yeah. forever. Um, it and still is. I thought we lost it, that finally. <laughs> you've got to subtract that out if, to get the interesting stuff. Mm, um, a, I think that's a really good point about the fire hose um, and serendipity. Like we don't want over filtering either, right? No. Totally true. Okay, gang, I am going to play Bad Cop tonight because we have running way long and we've decided that no one wants to listen to us forever. I know. We're going to stay on for a little while longer if Tara can stay with us in our post show. That's the cool part of listening to us live. But before we close out, um, Tara, uh, we usually try to say, are you going to be speaking somewhere? Are you on your way somewhere? Is there something you want to plug or promote? You're on the talk show now. You're sitting next to Conan. Go. I yeah I'm, I'm well I'm, I'm actually doing very little except for just continuing to work on my startup in the next little while. That's um, not nothing. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. Oh, I'm we're releasing a bookmarklet next week. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Yay, bookmarklet! Woohoo! And everybody, and, and, spell and out the URL. Up. S h w o w p dot com, um, and we'll we'll probably be opening the people that are already on um, on Schwab will get five invites when our bookmarklet comes out. Each right now it's been closed, closed. So yeah, so invites. yeah, yeah. So look yeah. for people tweeting. Hey, I've got five invites to Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> That'll happen soon. Absolutely, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Anything uh, anything you want to chit chat about? Um. No, I don't think I've got anything coming up at the moment. No, it's okay. it's Christmas coming up and things are quiet. Yes, so I, yeah, that's a great segue into what I was going to say for those listening to us. Tumble Vision is taking a two-week holiday because we figure you're all busy with family and eggnog and Yuletide and all the other stuff that you Christians do that I don't. Um, and uh, so we'll be off for two weeks and we'll be replaying a couple of shows. And um, when we come back in the new year, um, we will have a new website and a whole – when if you see the lineup of guests we have, you will be super duper excited. And um, Heather, at that point, I think will be relocated up in that other city in Canada, Toronto, as home base. But she'll be traveling around a while. And with that, I will say thanks all to a close to 2010, where we did 46 episodes and made it through the year, looking on to an exciting 2011. Salutations all. Merry and happy holidays. <laughs>